0: Welcome everyone to the Press Box Perspective, episode number two. I'm Evan Petzled across from me. High atop Dow Diamond here at the ESPN 100.9 FM studios is Eric Vande Pfeiffer. We have uh, an action-packed, you know, episode today, right? I mean, really, all things that you could really think about, we got it for you. A new coach being hired, you know, some Michigan basketball, we'll get into that, and obviously Sprinkle away from that as well, going to a little bit of Michigan State, talk about, you know, the Big Ten in general, and then flipping it over as well to college football playoffs, what we think the Big Ten Conference really should look like. What about, you know, Urban Meyer leaving? What about Jim Harbaugh? Any questions about him leaving, where he might go? There's a whole lot to talk about, but Eric, first
1: and foremost, Episode 2, we're back. How are you feeling this week? I'm feeling good. It's been a long time since we recorded, a whole 10 days since our last recording So good to be back here in the studio and and talk about some sports. So really, I mean, looking at
0: mid-Michigan as a whole, the big point of emphasis was Jim McElwain this week. I mean, you look at him because of who he is, not only because of the school, right? Central Michigan, not the biggest school, I understand that. It's a mid-American conference program, but it's Jim McElwain.
1: Yeah, exactly, and his name alone breaks the national news barrier. I mean, at first you heard when... CMU fired Coach Bonamigo, you saw it on the ticker on ESPN, you know, that they fired Coach Bonamigo. But when the McElwain hire was announced, you actually broke that story, Evan, so you're going to have a little more insight. But when that was announced, it was a big thing at halftime of Fox Sports and ESPN broadcast of conference championships that Jim McIlwain, former SEC Coach of the Year at Florida, is now going to head the Central Michigan Chippewas. They didn't say my name, though, did they? They did not,
0: no. But, um, no, it was nice to see on that ticker you mentioned Central Michigan Life, getting some recognition on the bottom, obviously the publication that I work for, a student newspaper at Central Michigan University. Nonetheless, yeah, I mean, that was, a, that was a crazy story break, probably the craziest one that I've ever had. I was at my grandparents' house, was with my girlfriend for a little bit, and then she went home and I, I stayed and hung out for a few more minutes, you know, didn't stay too long, then hopped on the road and cruising along, you know, right about in Midland, and my source shot me a text and said, you know, it, it, it's happening, it's, it's, it's done and I fired it off and and totally blew up and it was it was really fun and really cool to see but more importantly than me breaking the news you know not to toot my own horn but looking at Central Michigan what does this really mean for them I mean you look at a guy like John Bonamigo who had his team at 1 and 11 he was a pure PR guy right from a perspective of yeah he's a special teams coordinator and that's kind of what he was when he was in the NFL comes to CMU and he's he's less of a you know, true offensive-minded, defensive-minded coach. He's more of that player's coach, and we've talked about that before. And he had a hell of a lot of PR, like a lot of PR. That's kind of what he was, right, to the community and to, to the entire city of Mount Pleasant. And I feel like Jim McElwain brings a little bit of both. Yeah, I think... I he, think-, I think well, because I think he has that swagger that you want out of a coach. He has that, you know, all right, let's see who really wants to be Chippewas, come in here and, and get things done. So he has that in one sense... And in the other sense, he has the, all right, let's go. We got an offense, and, and let's do something with it. He even said that he has you know, seen a little bit of what Central Michigan put out last year, and he said, there's pieces. We can work with it. Basically saying, I don't know why they didn't get anything out of their offense last year. That was kind of what he was alluding to. Obviously, he didn't come out and just say that, but he said, we're going to have explosive plays. We're going to make an impact, and we're going to make it quick. What do you think about his hiring and what does it really mean for, you know, not only Central Michigan, but the community as a whole and, and really the nation?
1: Yeah, well, we talked about last week and when we talked about the future replacements of Bonamigo, McElwain's name didn't even come up, although he ended up being the guy that came in. Uh, and I think it was honestly one of the best hires that could have happened in the country. It was one of the best hires that Central Michigan could have made in the long term because McIlwain is committed now to Central Michigan. He said in his press conference he's committed to being here. He's ready to turn this thing around. And you talked about those high-explosive plays that he talked about. He said that that's what brings in people to the stadium is good offense. Obviously, defense helps win, but a good offense brings people into the stadium. And that's what he's looking to do is just have a lot of good offense and bring some people to the stadium, get Central Michigan back on the map for a football school.
0: And for those that don't know, overall head coaching record of 44-28, and 28. and in bowl games. He won two SEC Eastern Division championships. Mountain West coach of the year in 2014, SEC coach of the year in 2015. Last head coaching stint was with Florida from 2015 to 2017, and that did not end well. Prior to that, it was Colorado State from 2012 to 2014. And then right before that, 2008-2011, as the Alabama offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, Helped them get to a national title or two. Also added a, a perfect season to their their overall, you know, program resume. He's a guy that can make a difference. And that whole Florida situation that went down, you know, didn't end on a high note, right? Because he went in there and he, you know, had some situations, right? It was October 23, 2017, before they played Georgia. McElwain claimed that he was receiving dre- death threats, and he said that, you know, it, it's tough because. You understand when it's against you, that's part of the job, but when it's against your players and your family, you know, that's that's just ill will. And basically they asked him to to shed insight, say, you know, hey, what's what's really going on? What are they saying? And he did not go into go into that detail at all. He said that he did not contact law enforcement in any way. And in the same day as that press conference, Florida Athletic Department, they released a statement saying that he offered no additional details through a further conversation in regards to the alleged death threats. And essentially it was just a very strained situation. And just a couple of days after they lost 42 to seven against Georgia on October 28th, He was fired from Florida. So that kind of ended his tenure, and it wasn't pretty. So he kind of hits the reset button, right, and goes to Michigan as wide receivers coach for 2018. Works with some of those guys that you see, like Donovan Peoples-Jones, Tariq Black, who's had to continuously battle back from foot injuries, you know, to see Oliver Martin. And and really the one that has stood out the most is Nico Collins making a huge jump, right, uh, along with Donovan Peoples-Jones as well. But Nico Collins specifically coming from a guy last year who didn't do much to now this year. So that was his reset button. And this is kind of his reboot almost, right? Is that
1: kind of how it seems? Yeah, I think this is an opportunity to get his name back out there as a head coach. I mean, he's been an assistant for Alabama and Michigan who, surprisingly enough or interesting enough, is playing Florida in their bowl game this year. So (laughs) two of his former schools are going to go at it. Not that he really has ties with those anymore now that... Uh, Jim Harbaugh confirmed that he's not going to help them uh, coach during their bowl game against Florida. But I think this is just an opportunity for McIlwain to get his name back out there as a head coach, kind of turn a program around like he has before, and really just get Central Michigan back where it used to be. Yeah,
0: McIlwain's contract is a five-year deal. Compensation on an annual basis is going to be six hundred and forty thousand. So. You look at it that way, and yes, it is—it is a four hundred thousand base salary, but he gets added bonuses that he'll automatically receive regardless of you know on-field performance. So you're looking at a five-year deal worth six forty k. You like that take? I mean, is that is that good? If you're Michael Michael Offrey? coming from a guy like John Bonamigo who was you know making right around there, if not, I believe a, a little bit more when he was uh, when he was fired.
1: Yeah, I, I, with a guy like McElwain, though, I think it's it's good money. You can't really. I don't think it's too much. It's definitely not too little of amount of money for McElwain, but I don't think it's too much. I think that's a real good number right there, about about where he's at with 640, 650 k. I think that's a good number for McElwain, a good hire by Alfred. And the thing is too, I don't think you can really go any lower with him
0: because the name itself carries so much value, right? I mean, you even look at him right now and his his buyout from Florida when he was fired was 7.5 million dollars. And he's still getting paid for that. He'll make one million dollars in 2019, one million in 2020, and you know he'll get 500k the following year. So this season alone, he's going to be making 1.6 million dollars. Like his name carries weight. Like that. That yeah. is something that I don't think people understand. And yeah, you got a guy like McElwain in there for 640k. I I take that all day because you can't give him any more. You can't put him up to 70 because then people are going to start calling for for Michael Alfred's head, paying him too much. I think it was a good deal the I guess the bigger question though is what comes of this because you can hire a coach with a big name right mm-hmm. and and that that's cool nice you can do it congrats but you're also coming off a 1-11 season the worst season in program history literally dating back to 1894 so w- what does this all mean going forward I mean and the other thing too that you got to remember is people are saying that he's gonna leave in two years I don't think he can get a coaching job in two years. That's a, that's a head coaching job of Power 5 school if he doesn't have success. So he has to stay until he has success. That's what I think. But how quickly
1: does that success come? Well, I think he's going to have a little bit of the Jim Harbaugh effect that Jim Harbaugh has had at Michigan. The first year that Harbaugh was there, and ever since then he's brought in a lot of big name recruits because not only is Jim Harbaugh a good recruiter, but he's Jim Harbaugh. So the name alone is gonna bring in people. So I think I mean, even next year he can take a one eleven team, take him to seven, eight wins next year just because of the name, the way he's able to coach, but the recruits that he's able to gonna He's going to be able to bring in maybe get some transfers in. I know we've already heard some revelings about a former or a MAC player at a different school already want to come into Central Michigan just because of McElwain. So I think that's one of those things that just the name alone is going to bring in big name guys and it's going to help Central Michigan win. Yeah, on Wednesday I heard that there was a Mid-American
0: Conference quarterback, like you just mentioned, that said that you know he's expressing interest in transferring to Central Michigan just to play for Jim McElwain. That doesn't happen if you hire anybody else. Okay, that doesn't just suck it up and understand it. That happens because the name Jim McElwain is associated with Central Michigan. Recruiting is a big thing for him as well. And he said that he wants to get to know the 2019 commits, um, you know, to the CMU's 2019 commits, so he can introduce himself and get to know him. And of the 13 commits, guess how many are coming up this weekend? All 13. Every last one of them. Lou Nichols, Cameron Vaughn, Maverick Hansen, Demarcus Governor, Javon Gantt, Danny Motowski, Darrell Wyatt, Kamal Haddon, Logan Guthrie, Vashawn Bailey, Max Saylor, Justin Whiteside, and Joshua Crawford. All those guys are coming up to Mount Pleasant. And then what I'm hearing from inside the department is that the current commits are invited up this weekend, and then next weekend... McIlwain is going to be hosting a ton of 2019 recruits to try to figure out how to finalize his class, especially since they lost two guys from Cass Tech and then obviously Daquan Finn from Martin Luther King, Mr. Football in the state of Michigan. So trying to get all that figured out is going to be interesting because it's all coming at him so fast, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of hits you like a freight train. I mean, he was introduced on Monday. He's already got 13 guys coming up Friday. So That, that
0: says a lot, too. I yeah. mean, come on. You, you, you cannot tell me. That if you hire some old, average, mid American conference coach, that all 13 year commits are going to get on a plane and get exactly, up there. Exactly. Granted, most, some of them are from the area, but you look at, you have guys, I mean, you have, you have Governor from Florida, Gantz from Florida, and just continue to look down the list, but Sean Bailey's from Florida, Justin Whitesides from Illinois, Joshua Crawford's from New Jersey. Those guys are making the, the trip. Yeah. That means a lot. And that says something about the future of the program. And they're going to find out really quick that, Jim McIlwain is not John Bonamigo. Yeah. We heard it in the press conference. First press conference He said he met with the team and basically told them that they needed to straighten up their posture. They need to focus. They need to start communicating the right way, verbally and non-verbally. They're going to have a winter conditioning program where they're going to figure out who really wants to be a Chippewa. And that's no joke. He said, I expect the depth chart and the roster to be a lot different come spring practice. Things are going to change. It's going to be different. It's not going to be the same. John Bonamigo, players, coach, dancing on practice, no matter if you win or lose, you're having fun, you're enjoying it. McIlwain means business. And it's going to hit a lot of guys in the face.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think one thing that's really good about McIlwain, too, is in his press conference, he said, we're not. We're here to win football games, so we're not here just to do that. We're here to build character, get these guys to graduation. So he's really going to challenge his players to make sure they're going to class, getting their degree, but they also want to win football games. He said that. They want to win football games, so they're going to do whatever they have to do to win those games. You know who said it best?
0: President Bob Davies said, ring in one hand diploma in the other that's what he wants that's what he wants they're gonna try to get it but you know jumping past McIlwain I feel like we've touched on him enough and, and really what we think that he can do another coach that is in a totally different tier and in a different sport John Beeline from Michigan I mean man what a season they have been having 9-0 and number one in the Big Ten it, it's just been unbelievable you you watch them take down Purdue the way that they did you watch them take down North Carolina the way that they did. Dating back to when they beat Villanova, 73-46. Those wins mean something. And then you go to Northwestern, right, on the road. That's not that's not out of the realm for a team like Michigan, you know, ranked fifth in the country, to have a two-point game against Northwestern. That's fine. That happens, right? That's big-time play. That's yeah. conference battle. Mm-hmm. That's road play. That's how it is. And they went in there and they gutted it out. Yeah. And it wasn't easy, but they got the job done, and, and that has a lot. I think in the past, those are games that Michigan maybe loses. This year, things are so much different. Ignace Prasdykus has been unbelievable, 23 points, 9 of 18 from the field, 2 of 3 from free throws in that win over Northwestern. But, man, oh, man, man, it is it is special.
1: Yeah, it's fun to watch. They've won 23 of their last 24 uh, Michigan is rolling. The only team that has won more games in the last six years than Michigan is North Carolina, who the Wolverines beat and earlier it's close in the season. It's yeah, not it's even really like it's close. It's not like far out. Yeah, and there's not a lot of teams that are close to those two in the last six years in winning games. Also, looking at Michigan, they've got a pretty good schedule. Big Ten play when it comes up. I mean, really, you don't play a ranked opponent until the middle of January when you go to Wisconsin, but the only ranked opponents at the time that you have are Wisconsin, Ohio State, Iowa, and Michigan. That's scary for me, though.
0: In my opinion, I understand why. I'm playing devil's advocate, all right? I'm just going to say it. But the point being is, you know, you play these teams like South Carolina, Western Michigan, you play Air Force, you play, you know, Penn State, Indiana, Illinois, Northwestern. You know, you, you get those type of schools and then you play a ranked opponent. And then, you know, you play Binghamton too. Who? You know? And that that's kind of the point is you're playing all these no-name teams, and the hope is that you don't have too many of these scares like they had against Northwestern. Like I said, I know it's a road game, and they gutted it out, and you have to do that sometimes. But if you get in this funk of just winning, 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 you might slip up against a team that you don't think you're going to slip up against, which... Is a little bit of a cause for concern on my end. Do you feel the same way, or do you think they're, they're just going to power through?
1: I would feel the same way if they haven't already. If they hadn't already proven themselves this year, they started out with Norfolk State and Holy Cross, and they beat them. And then they went on the road to beat Villanova, who at the time was a top 10 team in the country. So they proved themselves there. They beat Villanova. They killed Villanova almost by 30 points. Then they played a couple of no-name teams: Providence, Chattanooga, and then they went. They hosted North Carolina and Purdue in back-to-back games and completely blew them out of the water. So they've proven that they can play a bunch of nobody schools, teams that they should beat, but then beat the teams that are supposed to be good. They've proven they can do that. So I'm not really worried right now because so far they've proven that the teams that are going to be tough conference, tough matchups for them aren't really that tough of matchups.
0: What's really, you know, for you, the difference about this Michigan team? I mean, what, what really makes them more special than in the past. And, and I know I have a couple of points on, on this as well, but just looking at you specifically, like what, what is it? I mean, is it, is Charles Matthews developing into his own? Is it, is it Ignis Brezdikas that's been able to, you know, become this freshman spark? Is it Jordan Poole taking it up a notch? Is it John Teske as a big man inside at seven, one being able to dominate, I guess of some of the things that they've been able to do correctly this year, What's the one thing that stands out to you?
1: And then I'll, I'll give my point as well. I don't know if it's one thing. I mean, obviously, Brad Dykus has been Braz Dykus. He's really been the spark of this team and someone that a lot of people, he wasn't highly recruited. But John Beeline found him and he's proven to be a complete star. But I think one thing that has really stepped up or one player that's really stepped up is Xavier Simpson has started playing better. Isaiah Livers has started playing better than he was last year. And Charles Matthews, after going to the Declaring for the draft originally, going to a couple of workouts and getting that feedback of coaches and scouts saying he needs to get his shooting better. He needs to start shooting better in order to play in the NBA. He came back to Michigan. He started shooting a lot and now he's knocking down shots from the three-point line, he's knocking down shots from everywhere, instead of just specifically being a guy inside who can only attack the basket, he stretched his game out, and now he can shoot, he can attack the basket, and I think Charles Matthews has really been someone that has taken this Michigan team to the next level because he's not so one-dimensional. Yeah, I mean, Michigan's relatively young, too, You know, without a a senior on its roster,
0: but... It still kind of carries that same experience from last year's, you know, Final Four run, getting into the national championship, and then obviously losing. There's there's options. And, you know, you kind of save Braz for everyone, you know, on the floor as, as the game wound down in that one. He was he was just tougher than them. He showed a lot more fight. He showed that grit and that that ability. But I think really the biggest thing that Michigan's had that's been able to help them is. Losing Mo Wagner. Yeah. Now that might seem confusing in a way if, if you don't understand where I'm coming from, and that's why I'm gonna go there right now. Is Mo Wagner wasn't a real big man, right? Like he wasn't a 7 1 John Teske. He was a guy that could dribble, he could shoot a little bit, he could slash and score. But Michigan really hasn't like had a true big man in a while. Right. And to be able to take him out of the mix, not that Wagner wasn't helpful, not that he would have been able to help, you know, this year if he would have would have stayed or whatever obviously that's not the point but you know the the fact of the matter is that John Teske is a true big man he can defend the rim Mo Wagner not as much he could defend on the perimeter which was nice to have when you weren't going up against guys that were 7-1 but when you had guys that were you know 7-1 owning the paint on offense you had no defense mm-hmm. you had nothing you were kind of screwed and I think to be able to have John Teske be that guy inside but then to have Brezdikas say, okay. You're six seven two fifteen. You're kind of like a Mo Wagner type player, but definitely with more of a, an outside ability, a driving, a slashing, you know, defensive end kind of abilities. Mo Wagner defense was good, but I, I think Brad Dykus' defense is a lot better. Yeah. So I think when you take a guy like Brad Dykus and you put him in a position where he can play offense and and do his game as a forward who plays out on the wing and slashes, rather than saying, okay, we need you to go inside. Like they did with Mo Wagner, I think that opens everything up, and just leaving a true center inside—that's been really nice for Michigan. From from what I've seen, it's it's cool to watch John Teske work down there, and I think with what they have with the with a you know a smaller type four like an Isaiah Livers type of thing, or, or uh, you know Brad is going in there and playing the four at times, I think it works. It just does. Rather than having you know, your big man basically be, you know, a, a four, you know, a four right. forward, if you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I understand. and Honestly, I've liked Teskey since last year. He didn't get enough love last year, obviously, because they had Wagner and Wagner was their guy. He was, he could stretch it out. He could play offense down low. Defensively, he was a little shaky down low, but he could still hold his own a little bit. But I think Teske just didn't get enough love last year. And now this year starting playing that big man. I don't know if he was spot. ready though. I don't know if he was ready either.
0: But I think though, in situations to counteract the point I just made, I think sometimes you're not really ever ready until you just get tossed in there.
1: Exactly. I mean, you're not gonna get ready if you don't get opportunity.
0: But you like what I'm saying though, as far as leading a true 7-1 260 big man inside, let him own the paint, and all right, take your best forward, put him out on the wing, let him slash a little bit. Granted, Braz Dykus is better at doing that than Wagner ever was, because Braz Dykus is smaller, he's quicker, you know, he's more agile. But still, I just like what they have going right now. And, and yeah, you look at their upcoming schedule. We talked about that. They have a chance to make a run. I mean, they have a chance to be up there top three in the nation if they keep it up until yeah. they go and and play against Wisconsin. That game coming on January 19th. Eric, question for you on that one. What do you really see? out of this Wisconsin team. What do you, what do you think about them, I guess? I mean, they have Ethan Happ who uh who dropped 20 points recently against Rutgers in a 69-64 win. Happ is kind of their go-to guy, but they lost to Virginia, who was ranked number 4 at the time early in the year, but they did beat Iowa by 6. Kind of like up and down, not really sure what to expect. What are the what are the thoughts there because also, you take a look at who they play before Michigan and they don't they don't play anybody. No. I mean, Mar- Marquette savannah state they play what is it grambling the grambling tigers again who and then you have western kentucky minnesota penn state purdue that's that's a tough one but then maryland 23 and then you got michigan so it's not like they really have that many guys another thing too ethan Happ averaging 17.7 points per game five assists per game he's their do-it-all type of player if they can lock him down, is it enough? I guess that's kind of the question that I that I want to pose to you.
1: I mean, Wisconsin's Wisconsin, and we've seen over the years Wisconsin have some really, really good teams back dating back to when they had Frank Kaminsky and that type that group. Now this year, I mean, th- they're good. They're going to have some players. They're going to have some guys that are going to go. But I think Michigan overall has more depth than just about every team in the Big Ten. Right now, I think looking at the work that everybody has done, I think Michigan's got more depth, and I think that's what's going to separate them from the rest of the Big Ten. Is that in the long run, when starters start getting tired, they're going to have three, four guys that they can bring in off the bench, four, five guys that they can bring in off the bench that are going to give the same production that they got from their starters. And I think that's what's going to separate them. Now, Wisconsin's a really good team. I think they're going to give Michigan a run for their money when that time comes. But I think in the long run, Ethan Happ, if they can shut him down, get him super tired, Michigan just going to be able to cycle through some guys with with the depth that they have, and I think in the long run, Michigan's probably going to be the best team in the Big Ten. They could finish the season in the top four.
0: That game in Madison, by the way, coming on January 19th, but let's look at the college basketball rankings for a second. Let's look at the AP Top 25. You got Gonzaga, Kansas, Duke, Virginia, Michigan at number five, and then Six through 10, you got Nevada, Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky at nine, Michigan State at 10. Where is this Michigan team in comparison to all those top 10 teams that I just listed? I mean, are they are they really as good as the number five teams?
1: Yes. yes. 100%. I think, honestly, we'll never know because we won't see him go up head to head. I think Duke, Kansas, Gonzaga have really separated themselves from everybody else. They... They're the teams to beat. They're going to be the top three for probably the entire season, unless one of them somehow loses again. Duke loses again. But their one loss is to Gonzaga, who's number one. I think Michigan's easily a top four team up there with Virginia. Uh, but I do think that there's a lot of other really good teams in in the Big Ten. You look, there's six Big Ten teams in the top 25 when you look at the coaches' pool, and five top, ten, top 25 teams when you look at the AP pool. So there is... A lot of really good play in the Big Ten. It just kind of goes towards the Big Ten and attest to the Big Ten of their recruiting, the way that they play basketball. They're one of the top conferences in the entire country, football and basketball. So I think Michigan being up there really says a lot about the Big Ten. I think they definitely deserve to be in the top four. But I think all those teams say a lot about the Big Ten and just show how much work Michigan is really going to have to do in order to be that top team in the Big Ten.
0: We look at it, too. I mean, even being one of the top teams in the nation, specifically speaking, top three, there's really no way Michigan gets up there no. with the schedule they have unless one of those teams you know, loses, Right. which is always funny to watch when fans are, are, are watching win after win and they want them to move up, but you realize it just doesn't happen. But yeah, I mean, Michigan's putting together such a great stretch of basketball right now. I mean, they are undefeated. They've just shown so much poise. They have shown so much swagger, and it's a respectful swagger, too. It just is. Jordan Poole's swagger is respectful. Braz Dykus, his swagger is respectful. And I think that's something that's setting them apart and getting them recognition. Also, they did have one vote for first place in the coaches' poll, none in the AP top twenty-five. But Eric, what about Buffalo? No, 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 no. no. Buffalo coming in at 17. A little machine for you. I know you I know you like a little
1: maxion. I know you like a little little nighttime action. Well, yeah. I mean, it's good to see a Mac team up there. Those mid-major teams really honestly don't get enough love. You look at the top 25, you see Buffalo in there, but every single other top 25 school Besides Furman. Besides Furman, you didn't let me finish my sentence. Besides <laughs> Furman, so 23 of the 25 schools in the top 25 are all Power 5 teams. Every single one of them. The mid-majors don't get enough love. I mean, and you go back all the way back to when Western Michigan was 13 and 0 a few years ago in football. But because they were mid-major, they didn't get the love they deserved. They ended up 13 or whatever, ended up losing in their bowl game. But and even with UCF, they're not a Power 5 team. They've gone, what, 13-0 and in back-to-back seasons, but they're still ranked number 10 in the AP and the college football rankings because of where they are. So they don't have as tough of schedules, obviously, but still, a good team is a good team. February 9th, we get to see them, man, coming to Mount Pleasant to smoke the Chippewas,
0: I'm going to call that one. Um, I'm going to call that one real early. That hurts for the but, Chippewas. But no, I mean, yeah, I, I like what Michigan's been able to do right now. And, you know, you did just mention it, right? UCF, college football playoff. You kind of started to allude to it and to transition into the next segment. What are your thoughts on how, you know, the entire college football playoff kind of shook out? I know the top three were basically locks, but that last one, thoughts?
1: Oklahoma's done what they've needed to do. They won the games they needed to win. They played the way they needed to play to get into the top four. A lot of people were upset that Georgia didn't get into the top four, and they wanted to see Alabama-Georgia on back-to-back weeks, which I understand. Back-to-back weeks, back-to-back games, I should say. And I completely understand that. Georgia probably has the best chance to give Alabama a run for their money in that semifinal game. No doubt. But they lost. Oklahoma didn't. And I think that's where you look at is Oklahoma has the better body of work. They won the games they needed to win. They did what they needed to do throughout the season. And I think that's why they're in the college football But they're playoff. not one
0: of the best four teams.
1: Uh, see, I don't know.
0: Oh, shut your yapper. Admit it. You really think that Oklahoma has a better chance to beat Alabama than Georgia? You look at it, though.
1: Alabama beat Georgia by, what, 20? Yeah. They're only going to beat Oklahoma by 24. So it's not like the game was going to be that much closer.
0: I mean, but you also got to remember, too. I mean, Alabama, yes, okay. You have to remember SEC championship games. It happens. I mean, they, they played them, yeah, okay, and and they took care of business, but it was in that SEC championship game that they only won 35-28. So you, you take a second go-around at it, and there you have it. Close game.
1: They played them tight. No, no. Honestly, I think the one team that should have been left out is Notre Dame. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Notre Dame. They beat Michigan, which I understand. But as an independent school, they're scheduling a bunch of guys that are a bunch of teams that aren't really you know big teams. They beat Michigan, obviously week one. But other than that, they're an independent, so they don't play a good conference schedule. So they're going to go 13 and 0. So I think if anybody should have been left out, it should have been Notre Dame, Oklahoma in the three spot, Georgia in the four spot.
0: What about Ohio State? No. I mean, so what? You win your, you win your, you win your Big Ten championship game, and it means nothing.
1: Correct, because you lost to Purdue the way you did, because you almost lost to Maryland the way you did. They just don't have a good enough body Michigan. of work. That doesn't matter. They the body of work that they put together wasn't good enough for them to get to the point where they needed to be in order to win and get into the college football playoff. They just didn't do it. How many losses did Ohio State have this year? One.
0: Say it again? One. One loss. That
1: that irks me, man. Why? Are you an Ohio State fan now? Am I learning new things about you?
0: No, I'm just a fan of how things should be done. You're a one-loss team, and you're not in the college football playoffs.
1: Yeah, because the one loss you had was to Purdue by about 20. And another loss that you should have had to Maryland. You only won by one. You gave up 51 points to Maryland. No, you don't deserve to be in the college football playoff at all.
0: I'm lost for words. Oklahoma, I mean, they, they lost to Texas. Sure, they got their revenge. But, I mean, what? They beat Army by seven. They beat Iowa State by ten. You want to look at games that were close? Look at look at Oklahoma. They beat Oklahoma State by one. They beat Kansas by 15. Kansas is an awful football team, and they beat they them beat, by 15. They beat,
1: they beat your Chippewas. They did. was it your Chippewas. You're the beat writer for that team.
0: You know what? They beat Texas Tech by five. Texas Tech is good. Oh, shut up. Texas Tech is not that good of a football team. Tech, look, Go look at their record. I'm not even going to do it with you. All right. And they they okay, and then you beat West Virginia by three, but you're giving up like 45 points in every freaking game that you play. They have what, no defense. What did
1: Jim McElwain say? Oh, don't offense me. brings the people. We don't care about defense. If you're going to throw up fifty points a game, the other team is going to put up forty-nine.
0: Okay, but you're not going to. That's not how it works, though, because Alabama's defense is good enough hey. to shut you down, and Alabama is going to smoke them. Alabama is going to rip Oklahoma to shreds. That game will not be close. Alabama's going to be closer it. against Georgia, Ohio no. State, or Michigan. To I don't be think, honest, I don't Even think it's Michigan, closer to Ohio State would have played them closer. No, not at all. Oklahoma is an offense-only team. They can't play defense. Alabama's defense is going to be too good. Look what they did against Michigan. They're going to rep them to shreds. Michigan
1: showed they couldn't play defense either against Ohio State.
0: And that's fine, and I understand that. But Alabama's defense was better than Michigan. They they are. Alabama's defense is better than Michigan. Ohio State, their offense kicked Michigan's ass. Ohio State is going to be able to contend better than Georgia. Georgia is such a one-dimensional team. You, oh, that game is not even going to be close.
1: It wouldn't, Oklahoma, excuse let's me. Let's be honest. It doesn't matter who is in that four spot. The game is not going to be close. But I want to see a close game. It's not going to be close with Alabama. With They're, Georgia, have, though. No, with Georgia? no, 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 no. It's still a 20-point game. It's still a 21-point game. It wasn't when they just played. What was the final score of that game, Evan? It was an eight-point game. What should the final score have been in that game?
0: What do you mean to do, read minds or something? What, yeah, what, what, what yeah do you mean? it's exactly
1: what I want you to do.
0: No, what do, you, what do you mean, what should the final score have realistically, been? Realistically. with them. It was a good game. No,
1: realistically, Alabama should have completely destroyed. With Tua not playing, Tua going out, that definitely hurt that offense. Okay, so what? What's your point? My point is, if they get another go-around, a healthy Tua, but Georgia's not even close. Georgia was winning until Jalen Hurts led the comeback, though.
0: All I'm trying to say is that Oklahoma, not the team for me, but different different question kind of all relating to the same thing. Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney said that matching up the two best teams in the Big Ten Championship has been discussed and will continue to
1: be discussed. Your thoughts? I am 100% for this because we want the best two teams to play. In a conference championship, you want the best two teams to play against each other.
0: Yeah, kind of like how they want Georgia to play Alabama.
1: Right. (laughs) Which happened. Which should happen again. And the better team won. And it should happen again. No. But in a situation like this with the Big Ten, you would get Ohio State, Michigan in back-to-back weeks. You've got to imagine Michigan makes the changes they need to make and make that a close game. Yeah. But then... They don't do it that way, so you get stuck with an Ohio State Northwestern beat down a 21. Which makes everyone want to go to bed. Exactly. Take a nap. And you don't start the game till 8 o'clock at night, so everyone's like, oh, at halftime, this game's already a 20-point game. I'm not watching this. This is stupid. Everyone just goes to bed. I'm but if that. you have two teams, yeah, so did I. But if you have two teams, like a Michigan-Ohio State, back-to-back weeks, rivalry games, back-to-back weeks, that's going to bring in a lot of viewership.
0: It becomes a problem, though, when you get rid of the divisions because then you have 14 teams in the Big Ten. And what do you do with them as far as scheduling? Because you don't want to not see Michigan play Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin. You want them to play the teams that matter that are going to help you, you know, rise up in the in the rankings. So how do you do that? Like, I mean, how do you balance it all out? How do you figure out who's playing who? And make it fair while everyone gets to keep their, you know, Big Ten rivals. And, and Michigan, obviously, you know, beginning a heated rivalry with Penn State a little bit. Obviously, Wisconsin's a team that they've always liked playing. And then the obvious
1: ones are Ohio State and Michigan State. How do you keep all that fluid? I think that's a problem. I think I, it's a problem. I think some, the way you have to do it is you just have to make it a, a thing where you know Michigan Ohio State have to play every year. Michigan Michigan State have to play every year just because that's a thing. That's just what happens. It has to happen. That's something that has to happen every single year. But
0: that's one of the reasons why having the divisions are so nice is because having teams split up like that, there's not a need for certain teams to play other specific teams because, well, they're not in your division anyway, so what's the point? But now to have them all packed into one, I just wonder if that creates any controversy. And, I mean, you look at you look at the Big 12, and they don't have divisions, but they have far less teams than, than the Big 10 does. So you take a look at, okay... You have Oklahoma and Texas. They played once already, but you get them a second time. That was nice. Right. That was nice to see. Right. Don't get me wrong. Like that that's what you want. But then also you have to remember that you take, you know, in other situations, like is it is it fair though? You know, you look at the SEC and in the SEC East, you know, you have your Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina. Those are the only you know real relevant teams in in that division. And then your SC West, you have Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, Mississippi state, but Alabama and Georgia only play once and it's in the championship game. Like, is that, is that fair? Yeah. You know what I mean though? But wouldn't it be nice to be able to see, you know, conferences just do away with the divisions and you could automatically see Georgia, Alabama twice a year, no matter what, you know, you're getting them in the regular season and you know, you're getting them in the conference championship as long as things go as planned. Yeah. And that, and that makes things differently too, because you know, then guess what you could also get is you could get, you know, you're automatically going to get Alabama LSU. That's a rivalry. Correct. And then you you, you could possibly get it again because you do away with the divisions. I think that's only good for ratings, but just trying to figure out how to make everybody happy is going to be the, the difficult part because everyone likes to get pissed off. Right.
1: Well, and you look at even the Big Ten, the way, the reason why this is a good idea is because you end up with Big Ten, right now you end up with Big Ten championship games with... Ohio State trying to get into the college football playoff at 12 or 11 and 1 going into the game, playing a complete nobody in Northwestern who's 8 and 4 going into that game. And that game carries no weight exactly. for Ohio State. Exactly. If because they they're playing Northwestern. If they,
0: if they beat, even throw Michigan out the window for a minute, even a win, I think, over like a Penn State or a Michigan State again, let's just say Michigan's not relevant, even a win like that, I think a, a game against Penn State or Michigan State carries just more national weight than against Northwestern.
1: Yeah, and I think even if you do put Michigan in there, if you're Ohio State and you beat Michigan in back-to-back weeks, there's no way they keep you out of the top four. Not a chance.
0: And the cool thing, too, is say you're both undefeated going into that last game of the season if you're Ohio State-Michigan, and let's just say Michigan wins the the regular season one and then you play in the conference championship, and then guess what? You get it again. Ohio State wins that. Now what are you going to do? got to put them both in the playoffs
1: or you leave them both out
0: or you leave them both out see
1: that's the but, other problem they run into is but, if that happens then both teams don't get in
0: but if they do both get in because you know you'd only have one loss you'd only have one loss and unless you have an independent like you know like you look like, have, like Notre Dame. Dame that's doing right. what they did this year unless they do that again now and I, I think, think it sets up you know two big 10 teams in the in, in that game, if you can get Michigan and Ohio State both go undefeated, and obviously that's just all speculation, but still, it would be nice.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice, but then if you, have, if you end up with two one-loss teams like that, then you're just thinking, oh, well, Oklahoma only has one loss too. So why don't they get in? You know what I mean? So that's the situation that you also put yourself in, is if you have two teams that are both undefeated and then they play back-to-back games, and one wins one, one wins the other, giving one... Each of them, one loss. The problem you run into is they think, well, they both lost to each other. We keep one out. So make it an eight-team playoff. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I'm thinking <laughs> the best way to do it is to get eight teams in the playoff, not have to worry about it, because then the best eight teams are in. And then your Central Floridas can get in and have fun and, and
0: die. But Yeah. I mean, let them, let them get in. They, they deserve to be right. in a playoff. They want to be do. in.
1: They deserve to at least get in.
0: They haven't lost a game in how long? Two years. That's a long time to not lose and not be rewarded for it. Exactly. They should be in, no doubt.
1: I think 18 playoff is the way to go no matter what. We get an extra week of college football. You can't do more,
0: though, because, dude, at some point, you can't extend your postseason that long past well you could play out well can you really though is you, that would guys even really want to do that though draft stock high another game another top opponent you're going to get beat up again injuries that all becomes a question
1: you could the problem you run into though is if you go to 16 you're letting three four lost teams in playoff teams that aren't really worth anything at that point yeah like you look at who was ranked number 16 in the college football playoff rankings the final one west virginia. west virginia at eight and three they're not really worth much Texas at 9-4 and at 15. They're not worth much. But if you go top 8, you got UCF, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Alabama. Those are the best 8 teams. They've proven to be the best 8 teams. And I think that 8-team playoff right there is enough because between 1 and 7 at least, I think there's a lot of things that could happen there. You could see a number 7 seed Michigan. Make a run through the playoffs and get a national championship.
0: Well, at least we agree on one thing, and it's the eight-team playoff. I, I, I like it too. I think mean, it's a good way to wrap things up here for the press box perspective podcast. Obviously, doing this thing i top down, Diamond ESPN 100.9 FM studios. Thank you to the guys at ESPN 100.9 FM for allowing us to come in and record here. My Twitter handle is at Evan Petzold, and you are at Eric underscore VandePfeiffer. That's going to do it for us on this podcast today. Until next time.